0: Welcome to episode number 116 of My Favorite Detective Stories. Today's date is December 8th, 2020, and I'm your host. No, no, wait a minute. I'm not. Your host is Chris Duckett, the producer of My Favorite Detective Stories, and he is interviewing John A. Hoda as a guest. You'll hear in today's episode about my writer's journey from when I first got the writing bug and until the now, where I'll be having three books in the Marsha O'Shea series come out uh, at Christmas time. And I'm looking forward to this opportunity to explain everything to Chris and hopefully to you. Welcome to My Favorite Detective Stories. My Favorite Detective Stories features crime fiction writers who discuss their latest books and what makes their fictional detectives tick. Throughout my investigative career, spanning five decades, I cannot think of a time that I didn't have a good prime novel on my coffee table or bedstead. We will also talk about their favorite authors as well. On alternating weeks, we are introducing a new podcast, How to Rocket Your PI Business, featuring successful private investigators. They offer insights into their careers and advice for those just starting out or for those who are struggling. We will learn from the best, And of course, we cannot finish the show without asking them to share a few of their favorite detective stories and sage marketing tips. As a working investigator, coach, and writer, I hope to bring you inspiration, information, and entertainment in the areas that interest me most. Gather around my campfire as I invite you to listen in. This episode of My Favorite Detective Stories is brought to you by my own crime thriller with a mystery twist. Odessa on the Delaware, introducing Marsha O'Shea, my debut novel. A Russian gang enforcer is on a murderous rampage to take over the entire Philadelphia mob scene. The homeless vet doesn't know that he has the proof or that he's next on the list. The stakes are high for this deadly cat and mouse game set on the bleak, Philly waterfront of years gone by. FBI agent Marsha O'Shea, a gunslinger from the Miami drug cartel days, is back in her hometown, quietly finishing out her career, but is now drawn into this case with a secret pushing her doggedly to follow the clues, only to uncover a greater secret that may get her killed in the final showdown. I'm excited to talk about Odessa on the Delaware, and for my readers and listeners, it is now free at my website, www.johnhoda.com. I'm glad to offer this book to you as a way of introducing you to FBI agent Marsha O'Shea, because the series with her continues with Clearwater Blues, Detroit Wheels, and West Reading Traffic. Thanks, Chris. How's the weather down there in beautiful Austin, Texas today?
1: Uh, It's a little rainy this morning, a little cool, but it's going to warm up to about the 80s today, so it should be fine. How is Connecticut? Oh, we had a sunny day today.
0: I walked my new dog, Billy, along the Milford Green this morning. Sunny, not warm, but not bad. Came back to my home and all of my neighbor's leaves are now in my front yard. So I have to rake that as as my traditional raking takes place on Thanksgiving. I always do that while the turkey's in the oven. So yeah, I'm looking forward to a nice Thanksgiving as well. So, you know, you're going to say that we met about two 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 and a half years ago.
1: <laughs> yes, we did. So for our listeners, my name is Chris, Chris Duckett, and I am the podcast manager, production manager, and partner that John has had pretty much all along. A mutual friend of ours kind of paired us together and said, hey, John is trying to start this podcast and you edit my podcast. So... You probably are, are a good fit and we've been doing it now for a couple of years. And mm-hmm. uh, we launched how to rock it together. We launched my favorite detective stories, this podcast together. And so it's been quite the journey. Our listeners have heard my voice a couple of times with different little voiceovers or announcements or blurbs that i've recorded so it's not completely strange but they never had a name for the voice so that's who i am i have my own podcast uh, called the keto man's club podcast but yeah i'm excited to get to flip the table you sent me an email said here's a crazy question how about you interview me and i thought hey that's really cool that's a, a new or an interesting thing that we can do because you have your own author side story that you've shared in bits and pieces, but you also have some exciting books coming out. You've had Odessa on the Delaware out there in the world already for, is it a year? Almost uh, two. Almost, Almost two. January two. of 19. Okay. You've had it out there and you are ready to release the newest installments to that. And I say installments plural because... You, you're doing the crazy thing and coming out with three books at once, that's right. those are coming out the beginning of the year. I'm excited to see and hear those and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about those as we go. but let's rewind let's go back in time and how did you get started with uh and, and let's talk about the the professional career even before writing? Because that informs your writing. So take us back to the- Sure, not a problem. Goes back
0: to when I was a gas pump jockey, a junior in high school at a local gas station in my town where I pumped gas at night and the police department got their Phillips there. So I'd always put the uh, gas on slow. And I would do their windows and check the oil under the hood and do all those things. These cops regaled me with their stories, absolutely just told great stories. And then on a couple occasions, I had to pull the nozzle out of the tank as they had a hot call and they sped off, you know, screeching wheels and lights and sirens off onto a hot call. And at that point in time, I knew I was hooked. I went home and told my parents that I wanted to go to school to uh, become a policeman. And I studied uh, criminology at the Indiana University of Pennsylvania, out in western Pennsylvania. And as luck had it, I returned to my hometown upon graduation, and they had an opening on the department. And this tells you how old I am, Chris. They were expecting hordes of tourists to come to Philadelphia for the bicentennial celebration in 1976. And uh, they felt they had a need to add more uh, officers to the force in, in anticipation of what the crowds would be. Well, that never took place, but hey, it worked and I got to become a police officer in my local town. That was nice for a couple years, but the 14 square miles became a little claustrophobic for me. And being the new guy on the totem pole, it was going to be a while before I would see anything else but midnights and weekends and holidays. And an opportunity, Came up for me to become an insurance adjuster. So I did. And doing that, I then gravitated towards insurance fraud investigation, and that's where I really made my niche. And for the next 20 some years, I became an expert in insurance fraud investigation, working throughout Philadelphia, Eastern Pennsylvania. And then I transferred to the company's headquarters in Westport, Connecticut, which brought me to Connecticut and was an area supervisor there. But then I continued after that to be a special investigation unit investigator, SIU investigator, until 1997 when I said, heck, I I see how much I'm paying these private investigators to do my outsource work. Let me uh, pull my own ticket. I got my private investigator's license. And in 1997, Independent Special Investigations was born. And over these last 23 years, I've had several different iterations of a private investigations business. And now it's Hoda Investigations as it now is taking me into my 23rd year. But realistically, for 40 some years, 40 four years at this point, since I was a cop in 76, I come home and tell stories to my family, to my friends at party and get togethers. And I became a pretty adept storyteller. I always enjoyed the craft of my work. And I always enjoyed, you know, some of these stories, you just can't make them up. You know, as you know, truth is stranger than fiction. I just would start telling stories at uh, different events. And people said, you know, you ought to write them down. I said, yeah, 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 sure. You know, and I never even thought twice about it. Later on in my career, I began writing newsletters for my uh, clients, which I told the stories of some of the, the better cases. And then I wrote in trade magazines and journals. In those situations, I had very good editors helping me polish the craft of writing and I didn't really realize the mistakes I was making because I didn't know. I just didn't know and then they were showing me you know, how I could punch up the, the story, not bury the lead, get a good hook, you know some of the things that you know we know about good writing and I, I began doing that. But I always had this idea kicking around in my head for a story. And I would have to swear, Chris, it had been about 20 years. Uh, and this was back in 2010, maybe, yeah, 2010 to 2011, when uh, my son and I attended a baseball game, Philadelphia Phillies, at uh, Citizens Bank Park. I opened up the program, and there was what had been vexing me for uh, many, many years. I had the beginning of my story, and I had the end of my story, but I didn't have the middle. And there, staring at me in the program, was my middle. And I began blabbing to my son. Oh, finally, I've got this story. I can put it together. And I started telling him the story. He says, dad, dad, you don't know how to write fiction. You don't know how to write stories. You don't know how to publish a book. And of course, that's when I said, well, I'll learn. And over the next couple of years, that book became fantasy baseball. And how I learned to do it, believe it or not, Chris, and I give all the credit to a book that I read that I continue to read before I approach every single one of my novels. And that is Fiction for Dummies. It's one of those dummies books. And it's by uh, Peter Economy and Randy Ingermanson, And they really laid out the, the path of how to write a fiction novel. But they also had a little bit in there about, well, are you going to be traditionally published or do you think you want to be independent published? And I had to ask that question. And luckily, there was another book, a manifesto by J.A. Conrath called, I think, Publishing for Newbies. It was this monster online book that I bought. And it just made the argument for independent authorship much more so than traditional. Now, I'm not going to go into the pros and cons, but it fit my personality and it fit me better to be an independent author. I went about the independent publishing of Fantasy Baseball. I hired an excellent cover designer who had actually designed award-winning album covers back in the day, Pink Floyd, the Allman Brothers, and wonderful content developmental editor. I'm going to say her last name is Weaver. I I didn't look it up, but it's in the book somewhere. She helped me as my editor. And then I had not one, but two proofreaders go over fantasy baseball. I wanted to make sure that the book was professionally written, had a good cover, good blurb, and good content editing and uh, proofreading so that it would look professional when it came out. And that came out, I believe, in the beginning of 2013. The second part about that was to market it. And, well, life got in the way. I had to spend much more time managing my business and growing it. I had some business reversals in 2010, 2011 that caused me to have to spend much more time on the little things like paying the mortgage and, you know, the light bill and water and food on the table. And I had to put it on a back burner in uh, 2017. I made a conscious decision to come back to writing and I decided that I was going to make it my second career. And that when I turned 66, which is now four days away, I would be a fiction writer. I would have nonfiction books in the world, and I would help other private investigators by coaching them. And part of this decision was to have a genuine speaking voice, an author's platform. And that that, that took the form of the podcast, My Favorite Detective Stories, and then How to Rocket, Your Private Investigation Business. And as you know, From the podcasts, I interview people that I'm very interested in talking to, whether it's about their career as a private investigator and their marketing tips, or best-selling crime fiction writers about their craft, their characters, who they like to read, who were influential writers in their past, and what have you. So over the last three years, not only was I working the private investigations gig, with Hoda Investigations. But but I was slowly moving out of that in terms of my day-to-day and uh, working the street to more of a supervisory administrative role. And I const- began concentrating more on the writing. And in doing so, I knew that I wanted to write several things. And the first was I was going to complete what would be essentially my memoirs. And that was Mugshot's my favorite detective stories and that was eight short stories and eight vignettes out of my career going back to my police days through my insurance fraud days and my private investigation days and i cherry picked the you know the cases that i like to ta- tell the most the stories about the most so i finished that sometime in i think early 18 and then a couple of the characters that grew out of fantasy baseball were a, a writer a reporter newspaper reporter, and an FBI agent by the name of Marsha O'Shea. And I got thinking about how I could put the two of them together in a story set in Philadelphia, and that became the genesis of Odessa on the Delaware. And Odessa on the Delaware is a crime thriller with a mystery twist. It talks about a Russian gang enforcer that is looking to take over the entire Philadelphia mob scene. A homeless vet has the proof of this But doesn't know he has it and is next on this gang enforcers list. And Marsha O'Shea is investigating non traditional organized crime in Philadelphia for the FBI. And all of a sudden, this mob war blips up on her radar screen and she gets involved with it. And that became Odessa on the Delaware, which was published in 2019 and not really marketed. I've got to tell you that. It was not marketed, neither was Fantasy Baseball. I knew that. Coming back at this again, that I'd have to have a marketing strategy to go along with you know the books. And some of the best advice I had received, and the the way the, the people that were giving me the advice was uh, Joanna Penn of the Creative Pen, a wonderful author of both uh, nonfiction and fiction, and a podcaster. She's been at this for 10 years. In 17, I decided to begin listening earnestly to her podcast and, and purchasing her courses. I purchased a book, How to Market Your Books. I also began paying attention to another person, Tim Grawl, who was with the Story Grid and also had his own podcast on marketing for independent authors. But the one that I I gravitated the most to was uh, Mark Dawson with the self-publishing show, the self-publishing formula. And I am uh, deep into his course right now as I'm doing my launch sequence uh, for the books that you talked about. And one of the things that I was told back 2017, 2018 was that you really need to develop a backlist. You really need to have uh, a number of books to get any kind of traction if you want to get noticed and get discovered amongst the millions and millions of books that are out there in the um, e-platforms. And I decided to write the Marsha O'Shea series. And part of the advice was also to do a rapid release where all three books would be released at the same time so that Odessa, which would act as a reader's magnet, would bring people in and say, hey, I really like this Marsh O'Shea. Is there anything more? Well, yes, there is. And in quick succession through 19 and through 20, I wrote three books that make up the rest of the series. And they're Clearwater Blues, Detroit Wheels, and West Reading Traffic, all involving Marsh O'Shea in a series and all with a different set of characters and different villains. We're set to do a release for those in January to the general public. Now, here's the fun part. For my listeners to the podcast and to the subscribers to my email to the johnhoda.com, they can all receive a free download of Odessa on the Delaware. And then the week between Christmas and New Year's, if they have given me their email address, they'll receive a notice where they can get the links for those three books. And all three of them will be on sale for 99 cents each as a I guess, a digital stocking stuffer. And it makes sense. I'm looking to get both reviews with Odessa and the follow-up books, but I'm also looking to get sales to kind of prime the pump for the Amazon algorithm. And starting in January of 2021, I will actually start a marketing effort on all the books. I know it's kind of long-winded telling you this whole story this way, but it takes me back to my days in 1976 when I was driving around the highways and byways of Bluebell, Pennsylvania, and saying to myself, you know, what am I going to do with my life? It, it's strange twists and turns along the way. Did I ever think that I would be a author of four how-to books and, and four nonfiction books? I, I never would have guessed that in a million years, but it, as it tur- life is strange
1: as it turns out. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and mention it because there's there's always a little crossover, especially in this case where this podcast has helped create Rocket. The four how-to books, Yeah. what are those about? Let's talk about that process a little bit. That's been a slightly more targeted, I'm just going to put these out here into the world and that's going to be something along with your coaching business that you're doing. But talk about the, the process of writing those real quick. The four books' titles are How to Launch Your Private Investigations
0: Business, 90 Days to Liftoff, How to Market Your Private Investigations Business, Less Than Five Hours a Week, Really, and How to Boost Your Private Investigations Business, Make $1,000 Every Working Day. And the three of those books have been placed into a compendium called How to Rocket Your Private Investigations, The complete series. So if somebody wanted to, to learn about launching, marketing, and boosting their business, all three books would appear there. And my desire to do this was twofold. One, I wanted to give back to the uh, private investigation industry that I had been a, a member of for over 23 years. I, I really had to learn a lot about private investigations. But not only did I have to learn about private investigations, I had to learn about the business of private investigations. And it was in the learning of the business of private investigations and getting down and falling down and getting up again and falling down and getting up that I I slowly learned how to create a business that was sustainable. I had done se- several different businesses over the last uh, 22 years, which I launched. So I, I was decent with launching businesses, creating the business, learning what my target audiences would be, and, and focusing on that. I also had to learn how to market each one. And there are different types of businesses. They weren't just cookie cutters from one to the other to the other. And then lastly, I, I wanted to learn how to be able to, to sustain growth. So in doing that, I was able to create the businesses and say, you know what? I've done all this work and I've learned all this, let me then write this down and get it so that people could look at it and see what I've gone through and see how I can help them with real actionable tips, real actionable advice, regardless of what part of the business they're in. Because private investigations just isn't you know running around chasing cheating wives and husbands. There's tons and tons of different jobs and specialties within the private investigation industry. And I thought I did a pretty good job of covering the larger sectors that they're part of, business-to-business, business-to-consumer, professional-to-professional, and to be able to give advice across all three verticals. So in doing so, I was really happy in doing that. I had the help of a wonderful editor, uh, cover designer, illustrator, uh, proofreader, wreck J. Our mutual friend. Our mutual friend that connected you to me. And she did all of that work to polish my rough coal into diamonds. And sometime, I guess, in mid 19, the books came out. You know, of course, I'm writing like a crazy man between the fiction and the nonfiction at this point, because from 17, September of 17 until now, I finished Mugshots. I created Odessa and the three uh, other fiction books. Clearwater, Detroit Wheels, West Reading Traffic. And then I also created the four nonfiction books. I built a website called thepicoach.com. And I used the nonfiction books as books as a business card. It gave me influence, gave me gravitas, gave me expertise by which people could see that I was the real deal and they would come to me for their coaching needs. And I've had a nice coaching practice through much of 2020. And I'm very, very happy to say that I'm coaching people every week on how to survive in the private investigation world and also how to uh, thrive as well. And it's very enjoyable. We do it by Zoom, hour long sessions. There's an action plan every week, there's homework, and people get success. They're able to get out of their own way, get moving one step at a time in a positive direction. So it works out pretty good. Really, really happy with it. So, yes, I, I almost forgot the nonfiction side, but going into my retirement, which is going to be official, probably January 1 of 2021. It also makes the beginning of my second career. I, I have the podcasting in place. I've got the nonfiction books in place. I've got the coaching business, the coach.com in place. And I'm launching the uh, the fiction books, the, the Marsha O'Shea series. So all in all, I'm really positioned well to start marketing everything and to really start getting some traction with all the writing now, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop writing. I have uh, a couple more
1: books in plan for 2021. I'd honestly be worried if you didn't have some some plans. You've got a few things that you've already that, that you put together in a very short amount of time, and so yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that there's more. Yeah, and and here it is. In May, I'm hoping to release a book called uh,
0: Dispatches from Hill 861. And it is a story about a uh, case in Vietnam during January of 1968. One of the bloodiest set piece battles that took place in the Vietnam war. My crime beat writer, and sports writer who appeared in Fantasy Baseball in Odessa, is now a very young man in 1968. And he is an Associated Press stringer who catches a helicopter ride to Hill 861 just in time for all hell to break loose. On that hill, he meets a a Navy corpsman by the name of Doc Barnes, Tom Doc Barnes, and a, a Marine private by the name of Joe Jackson. And the reason I'm writing this is that I I really wanted to do an exploration into one of the battles that was of interest to me when I was a young man growing up, but also to look at it from the viewpoint of all three of them, a Navy corpsman, a writer, you know, a reporter, and boots on the ground, in the trenches, Marine, private. And The name Joe Jackson is because that is the first book in what's going to be the Average Joe series. Joe Jackson in uh, Dispatches is the 1968 fantasy baseball with uh, the Average Joe, Joe Di Natale, is going to be in the you know, oh, mid teens, I would say of this of this century. And then it goes right to Joseph Sully Sullivan, who is the homeless vet that appears in Odessa on the Delaware, where we introduce Marsh O'Shea. So, in essence, I am going to be doing cross genre series. And then I bring it into Odessa on the Delaware. Well, it is Odessa on the Delaware. So the first book would be historical fiction. The second is a sports romance, fantasy baseball. And the third is Odessa on the Delaware, a crime thriller with a mystery twist. The common theme is that they're average Joes who are thrust into unaverage situations and are trying to make their way in in this in these situations. From Odessa, I then segue into the uh, Marsha O'Shea series. So for me, I'm going to have two series out by mid-May, uh, Marsha O'Shea and the Average Show series. And then later on in the s- summer, I'm doing a novella for Marsha O'Shea, which takes her back to her earliest days as a a new FBI agent working in Miami and dealing with bank robberies and fugitive squads down there. So it's a novella, you know, be about 45,000 words, and that will introduce Marsha to the rest of her series. And then in the fall, I'm going to work on taking the four nonfiction books and turning them into audio and with me as the narrator. So yeah, it's a little busy, I guess I would say you know, and I'll have the coaching business and I'll still be podcasting. So, and I'll be, and that's my retirement.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not going to ever be one of those that just wants to go, you know, go home, sit in chair, you know, read a book, do nothing. You, you're, you are, are one of those, you and I are both kindred spirits. I, I am absolutely going to be one of those that will find something to do until my dying day. And there will always be something, and whether it's money-making or not, there right. will be something that I love. And, and I'm, I'm excited for you that you're entering a, a stage where you can focus on doing what you love and, oh, wait, it makes money and, and all of that. So that's awesome. So let's see. Let's make sure. Just a circle back to it for action items for our listeners here as we start to wind things down a little bit. I think we've explored most of everything that we needed to. The action items that we have coming up is that starting in December that Odessa on on the Delaware is going to be available for free. And that's going to launch with this episode. So starting with this episode, if you go to johnhoda.com and sign up for the email list. You're going to get a free ebook copy of Odessa on the Delaware. That's going to get you started with the story. Now, I sent a paper copy because my parents don't have uh, e-readers. I sent a paper copy of Odessa to my mom, who's an avid mystery reader, and I'm I'm sure that she's going to be ranting and raving about it as soon as she gets done with her current series. Okay, because she always loves a the series. There's still that available on Amazon and whatnot mm-hmm. for those that want a paper copy. But if you want a free ebook copy. It's going to be available for our listeners. And then starting in December, we're going to have the 99 cent download options available for all three of the new books that will be officially released in January. Right. A a
0: pre-launch special between Christmas and New Year. And all my listeners will be able to go on Amazon and purchase them there at 99 cents. And all my uh, email subscribers will have the uh, notice through email. And of course, my listeners uh, to the podcast will will know about the 99 cent special during that time period. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I'm doing what my gurus are telling me to do for the launch and for the pre-launch sequence. And I'm excited about you know, getting this out there and uh, doing it. I've already gotten beta readers who have said really good things about the three books. The last book, West Reading Traffic, is still with the editor at this late stage in the game and still has to go through a proofreader. And then it gets uh, downloaded by Bellum into the uh, e-platform. So I'll, I'm going to have a very tight schedule in December to uh, make sure my edits are done right for West Reading Traffic, make sure the proofreading edits are done correctly, and then... Get all the, all the covers are done. And I think I did a cover reveal a short while ago. And have I sent
1: you Chris, the, the yes. covers? Okay, good. They, they look fantastic. They're definitely engaging and eye grabbing and like, Hey, I want to read that. Your, your artists did an excellent job and setting all of that up. That's, that's going to be uh, great. I I don't have time to sit down and read paper books most of the time <laughs> because I'm just, I'm still, I, I'm doing dual careers as well as you know trying to to manage home and family and everything else so be sitting still is not something that happens very often but i look forward to when audio versions are available and things like that i think that based on everything that i've seen and everything i would definitely enjoy getting to to see and or getting to hear in this case these stories play out i like that it's all it's multiple stories from the same world. That's also kind of something that I, I love. And, and authors, one of mine in the fantasy world, has like four major series, trilogies, or you know, you know, pairs of books that all happen in the same universe, all happen in the same world, but they're parallel or they're slightly intersecting stories. And nice to see that that, that that's happening here. That makes me want to see or want to to read these books all the more because I know that it's not just this tiny little spectrum of a world it all connects and it all has a history and
0: to your point about reading authors being a podcaster of fiction writers i've put out and and we had a little technical glitch but laura lippman with the Tess monahan series you know we're going to have her back on the show we talked to joseph wombaugh mike corita mike omer We've had other best selling New York Times bestsellers, award winning authors on the show. And I get to read their stuff and have read their stuff for 40 years. I mean, I, but unlike you, I've always had uh, a book on the nightstand at night. You know, after my crazy day was over, that's how I would, you know, end my night. And then sometimes on the weekend, I'd, I'd finish them, especially if they were thrillers and I had to get through them. There was one time I read, I think, one of uh, Michael Connolly's books, who will be on the show. I read them on the airplane. And then I got to the end and I literally sat in the driveway of my car after my trip just to finish the book before I came in the house because I I just couldn't put it down. So he'll be on the show, too, as well. But I'm also reading a lot of new writers And having them on the show as well, and I get to read their stuff, so it's opened up my eyes to the same genre. I love reading about detectives, whodunits, police procedurals, thrillers. That's my world. But the the podcast platform has given me the opportunity not only to read their stuff, but to talk to them, which is fantastic. I love it, and I'm not so much a fanboy as I was. I'm more of a now a, a colleague. And that, that feels really good. And and the trans the transition that I've gone through, the transformation that I've gone through over the last several years, from you know investigator and wannabe writer to now author, has been slow and steady. But I'm feeling it more and more that I can I can start this new quest very soon and go after it with the same gusto that I've gone after my investigation career. So I'm looking forward to it. I think everything is firing on all the cylinders, so I'm really excited about it.
1: You listed several of your favorites, but one of our questions that we kind of put on our checklist was, who is your favorite? Mm -hmm. Do you have one?
0: Yes, I do. And I would I would call him somebody that knows me and knows my face, recognizes me and by name and says hello. And that's Lawrence Block. He's the writer of several series, but the one that I fell in love with the most was the Matthew Scudder series. He's also written the Bernie Rodenbar series and the Keller series as well. He's probably one of the best short story writers. If anybody wants to get a nice short story every night to read his book, Enough Rope, is my recommendation. He's just a great short story writer. I could learn so much just from the way he writes. and I do. Actually, I read his stuff as a warm-up before I sit down at the keyboard or before I get started. And that's the other thing I want to mention is that I've moved from uh, typing on a keyboard now to dictating. And I find that the way my brain works, I'm getting much better dialogue because, well, I'm actually saying it out loud, and that I go much more deeper into the story. I don't do as much self-edit. If I were sitting at a keyboard, I might do more self-edit. But by dictating, I use five commands to make sure that the, tri- that the syntax is correct. Open quote, close quote, period, comma, and new line. And I then put that into a rich text, and then it goes into drag and dictate, Comes out into Rich Text Editor. I clean it up a little bit, and only have to do a little bit of cleanup because ninety nine percent of the transcription is correct. And then I run it through Pro Writing Aid, and then it goes into uh, Fictionary, which is uh, it's a, like an editing program using uh, big data to help me work and, and write a better chapter. And then that goes to my editor. So I'm able to dictate, transcribe clean it up and have it as a presentable first draft in half the time that it takes me with my fanny in the seat, my hands on the keyboard. And I love it. I get to walk around beautiful places with my uh, little Sony recorder in my hand. And I don't know what people think I'm doing, but I'm dictating a a novel and it, it works out great. And I love it. So I think it's going to help me produce quality work faster. I don't want to say faster because then it sometimes makes it sound like it's, you know, I'm just, you know, it, it's not like I'm putting it through a, a ringer. I'm getting a lot of good words out there on a, on a regular schedule and I'm able to do so in a way that I'm satisfied that I'm still doing the work and still
1: giving out a, a quality read for my readers. So Absolutely. The thing that I would say with that is that we all have our things. So for me, in taking books, best is through audio. Because of the way that I am, but I also probably whether in whatever creative things that I am doing, which I'm a musician and, you know, audio production and things like that, it it is helpful for me to kind of start things using voice memos or, you know, those types of things. I couldn't just sit down and write a song, not that I ever have, but I would not be able to sit down at a word processor at a, a notepad and just write lyrics on a, on a page. It's not something that I could do. And while you could sit at a keyboard and get your, your words out on the page, you've done it before. The thing that you're finding with the dictation is that you're not slowed down by your typings. You're not slowed down by the distraction of the word processor. You're hearkening back to your original thing where the, you've always loved being a storyteller. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. You talk about this with your your authors, and, you know, in the past, that first draft doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be a draft. Get it out onto the page. And in your situation, you found that recording that into a quarter and then importing that file into a digital dictation application like Dragon Naturally Speaking that gets that onto the page first thing, and then you can do all sorts of cleanup and, and, and spit polish and you get that lump of coal compressed into a diamond real easy. The, the biggest, hardest thing for anyone creative, anyone doing any, is to get started. And so you found your way to get started, and that's phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and I harken back to the book that helped me with fiction writing again, Fiction for Dummies. It helped me develop a storyline and then a description. And then it helped me develop the three-act structure. Other writers that I pay attention to, James Scott Baker, you know, have helped me with, and Larry Brooks have helped me with putting in pinch points. And when I'm ready to sit down and do my outline, because I'm an outliner, I'll sit down and I'll have, and then I'll do the character Bible. And at that point, I'll have all my characters fleshed out. I'll know essentially how it starts, where there are inflection points, where's the midpoint, when do we start the chase, you know, the thrill ride to the end. And and then I fill in enough information using Fictionary to flesh out my scenes, because I really write in scenes instead of chapters. And then for me, when I sit down, twice a week, three times a week. I don't sit down anymore. I actually walk around. I know what my scene is going to be about. I know who my characters are. I know what the story is going to be within that scene. And it it isn't insurmountable. I can do a 2,000-word scene and know where it has to start and where it has to end and what I want to try to accomplish in the middle of it, and I I do so. And it's just uh, plug, plug along. I mean, 2,000 words at a time, and before you know it, a 75,000-word novel is drafted. And then, of course, I go through the revision process with my editors and my uh, copy editor and my proofreader. Got to give a shout-out to uh, my editor, Rebecca Millar, with a -A M-I-L-L-A-R. You can contact her through Readsy. Zeta Brown is my proofreader extraordinaire and she's out of, I believe, Austin, Texas. They help me with finishing the the novel so that I can get it tight and I can say, yep, that's it. And while I'm doing the edit phase with them, I'm already into the research phase for my next book. So one day a week might be on editing, one day of the week might be on researching. And during that month, two month period, I'm getting one book finished while the next book is getting launched or started, I should say. So for me, it's not an automation or a, it's not a, a assembly line. It's just that's the way I roll. I like the organization of it. It always keeps me going. So right now, I'm going to be in the middle of the edits of West Reading Traffic and the proofreading of that while I'm doing the research for Dispatches from Hill 861. And as soon as the edits are over with West Reading Traffic, I'll be moving into creating the storyline, the description and the three-act structure, and then the outline and the character Bibles for Dispatches from Hill 861. And for me, each of those steps... I see such value. If you think about you know, a copy edit, cleaning up your, your, the way you write, proofreading to clean up all the grammar, syntax, and uh, spelling so that it's you know, professional looking, at the same time as I'm doing my research and then going through the, the process of building my next novel, each step along the way, if I know that if I try to take a short cut, it hurts me later on when I'm in the scene development, when I'm trying to, to fill out the scenes, because if I don't have enough information there to, to really work with, I could go down the wrong path and, and I could then start taking my novel in the direction where I didn't intend it to go. So as long as I have my directions laid out for me, I can follow directions.
1: Yeah, that's one of those things. We, we don't often in this podcast dive into it, but in the, the writing podcasts that I've edited, and pre- previously, I'm not an author by any means, but I've picked up on a few things. And having that outline or whatever method it is that, that you use, there's quite a few different methodologies that writers use. Right. Having that outline is like having your basic Google Maps. You've got plenty of ways to get from point A to point B. But having a map with those, with that general path and then a few alternative routes that you can get there gives you so much information that you can work with as a, as a writer and, and, and stay within the bounds that, that, you know, say you're driving from Connecticut to Austin, Texas. You're going to get to Austin, Texas. You just might take some detours along the way. And that's, that's awesome because those detours can be very creative, very exciting ways to, to get that done. So that's And I guess great. the
0: last thing I want to say, Chris, is that I'm interested in becoming a better writer with my craft. So a book by Lawrence Block, Write for Your Life. This is something that I, I pick up and read every time before I sit down and dictate or sit down and I, I write. I have a book called The Emotional Craft of Fiction by Donald Mass. Again, working on aspects of my characters that maybe I'm a little light on. Yep. The Emotional Thesaurus by uh, Angela Ackerman and Becca Puglisi. Another uh, fine book that helps me, you know, when I'm uh, trying to talk about the emotions of my clients. And then I, I belong to a writers group, The Written Word, in Milford, Connecticut. We meet every Wednesday night from seven until nine thirty, and uh, we go over what we've written that week, or we work on our prompts. And I'm I'm in a writers group with great poets and prose writers, and they give tremendous uh, constructive criticism. Uh, helps me with my craft and, and my writing. So it's just not a matter of the nuts and bolts of the job. It's that, you know, this is how I'm going to get better. I'm going to have to take this seriously and I'm going to have to work it. So doing that is what I'm um, excited about because it gives me the chance to perfect my craft. I mean, I didn't become a good investigator overnight. It was a lot of trial and error and a lot of learning along the way. And if I can become a a better writer, I need to do so by more reading, more writing, more review, more beta readers, more advanced copy readers, helping me pointing out where things could be tighter, better, stronger, and in that case, become a better writer. And that's what I'm hoping for.
1: Well, we are hitting the hour-long mark, and so this one will be a little longer than than normal probably, actually, but uh, that's a good thing. We, We covered lots of stuff. That will be helpful to our readers for sure. What are the best ways for your listeners to be able to connect with you online and, and whatnot?
0: Well, the books are at Amazon and my author central. So you can look up John A. Hoda author on Amazon for the books. If they want to get in touch with me on my uh, website, it's uh, johnhoda.com. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-D-A.com. And uh, john at johnhoda.com is my uh, email address. And then also, if uh, someone's interested in uh, pursuing a career in private investigations and would like to have a free half-hour consultation with me, they can do so at uh, www.thepicoach.com. Dot com And that's all one word, coach.com. Very good.
1: And make sure to sign up for the email list. We do send out marketing emails, notifications that the podcasts come out usually and uh, things like that. But you'll not want to miss the, hey, Odessa's available. Hey, the eBooks are available emails. Uh, so go ahead and sign up for that so that you can get that. That will be great. For those that are on LinkedIn, you're on LinkedIn too. You you connect with quite a few people that way. And then you also have a Facebook page, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah. So you're you're a... Li- John A. Hoda, author. Yep. So you're a little bit of everywhere. And we'll have links in the show notes for all of that as well, so that people can easily click through and, and get to the right places for that. So we love to connect with our listeners in that way. I think that pretty much wraps us up i think that this is all exciting stuff and we are speaking about this podcast speaking about how to rocket your private investigation podcast there's only more growth there's only more things to come so we're excited to to see all of that happen and all of the guests that you've reached out to new authors and old alike every conversation has been interesting and very edifying, even for me as a non author to be able to, or a non PI to, to listen and get to experience as I'm getting to edit them. So there's a lot of value there on both podcasts. So we will be back, and it will be great. You know, and Chris, I just want to say that you
0: know over the two and a half years that we've worked together, we've always been really focused on the podcasts and the guests and what they're saying and what have you. But in terms of what you've been doing and what have I've been doing, we haven't really talked. Maybe someday I get to interview you for your absolutely,
1: podcast. absolutely, that would be really cool. Okay, John. Well, it's been great getting to have this deep dive into your writing, and we will look forward to seeing. It hit the virtual shelves and hopefully some physical shelves maybe even in the near future yeah that'd be cool
0: thank you for listening i hope that i've earned your interest and your time please leave any comments on the website www.johnhoda.com That's j-o-h-n-h-o-d-a.com Our guest next week is Marcy Phelps. Marcy is the president of Marcy Phelps & Associates and has been in that capacity for the past 21 years. Marcy specializes in due diligence, asset discovery, and training services. She's a former librarian turned private investigator, certified fraud examiner, and research expert specializing in fraud prevention. Marcy has a master's from the University of Denver in Library Information and a bachelor's from SUNY uh, New Paltz in Mathematics. SUNY is the State University of New York. She is the past president of the Association of Independent Information Professionals, AIIP, a global association that supports owners of information businesses. It is my pleasure to bring Marcy on the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear other great detective stories, please go to the website and click on our podcast page. There you'll find the backlist. Now, you're probably asking, John, what about your own stories? Do you have any? Sure enough, I do. And they are available to you free as a download right to your inbox. I have eight short stories and eight vignettes in a book titled Mugshots, My Favorite Detective Stories. Now, here's my ask. You were either informed, inspired, or entertained by the stories today. Don't be bashful. Share this link with your friends. Better still, go to the iTunes website and leave a review. It's the best way to grow the circle around our campus. If you have any questions, please contact me through the website, www.johnhoda.com, J-O-H-N-H-O-D-A.com. Thanks so much, and have a great day.